0: Good morning, Glad Tidings Pentecostal Church. How are you doing this morning? Good, thank you. Somebody's doing fantastic. I'm excited to be with you this morning and deliver the word to you. This is kind of a full circle thing for me. Uh, As a little girl, I got picked up by the Sunday school bus and came to Glad Tidings Church. And uh, I remember it when it was down, further down Mountain Road, and uh, came to Sunday school for a couple years. I don't know who my Sunday school teachers were, but... You did a good job, so thank you, if you're still here. um, I remember the Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. And I remember going forward as an 11-year-old girl, night after night, because I was so scared that that man with the black cape would come out of the flames and get me. So I thought, if I just go forward every night, any little sin that I would have committed would have been taken care of, so I am double, triple, quadruple saved. I'm sure some of you have done that before, too. I am a mom to Hope, who is here this morning, and I get to embarrass her, so Hope, you can stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She uh, gets mistaken for my sister all the time, and I am okay with that. Um, She sings on the worship team and helps out with King's Castle as well. I also have a son who's 21 who's supposed to be here. I don't see him, so he's in trouble when I get home. Um, But anyway, that's okay. So I am single, I am so single in fact that somebody asked me recently who I was with and I said, Rogers, (laughs) because I thought they meant my internet provider. But after everything that happened on Friday, that might change come Monday, right? Yeah. I am the Atlantic Regional Director for the Canadian Bible Society, a role that I am so honored to uh, have. I get to get paid to get the Word of God into people's hands in their heart language. How cool is that? Like, seriously, that's pretty amazing. I want to get right to the Word this morning because I believe that this is a message, a timely message for the body of Christ. And I believe that if you heed to it, you could leave here changed this morning and set free. How many of you are okay with that? Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, I would ask you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. And we'll be reading verses 21 to 35. And if you don't have your Bibles, we will provide it for you on the screen. So Matthew 18, verse 21. Then came Peter and said unto him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Now some of your translations will say seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king, And they went and reported to the master all that had taken place then his master summoned him and said to him you wicked servant i forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me should you not have the same mercy on your fellow servant as i had mercy on you and in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So if you're taking notes this morning, the title of my sermon is The Monkey Trap. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just pause in this moment. We thank you that you are here. We are here for you. God, I ask that you would give us eyes to see Jesus, ears to hear his voice, and a heart that understands who we are in him and who he is in us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you stand tall in me this morning. And I thank you that your word will be delivered and that lives will be changed. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So I want to give you a little bit of context this morning behind our scripture. The first part is that Peter comes to Jesus and he asks him, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive this guy? He keeps doing the same thing over and over again. And one day, same guy, How many times do I have to forgive him? Peter thinks, I'll offer the word or the number seven. So he says seven times. He thinks he's being pretty generous because Jewish rabbis of that time taught that three was the acceptable limit. You only had to forgive him three times. So Peter thought, if I say seven, we're good. But Jesus does something where he does away with all limitations and calculations. Why? Because you'd be pretty petty to count 490 times to forgive one brother in one day. Because forgiveness is not a matter of mathematics, is it? It's a matter of the heart. And then Jesus goes on to tell the parable to his disciples about the master who had servants, who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. And it was time for them to pay him back, and he came upon this one servant who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, we probably don't understand what that means, so I'm going to explain it to you. Commentators believe that 10,000 talents was worth anywhere between 12 million U.S. dollars and one billion US dollars and the reason there's such a gap is because we're not sure if it was measured in Greek talents or in Jewish talents but the point is this servant owed an awful lot of money money that he couldn't pay back and so he pleaded with his master and the master did the unthinkable he forgave his debt completely how many of you would love to have been forgiven a debt that size, right? Well, let me tell you, you actually were. It's a beautiful picture of what the king did and what Christ did for us. In Colossians 2, 13 to 14, God forgave us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt, amen? So then I want you to watch what this slave does. He goes out and he finds his fellow slave. So when I say fellow, he is his equal. And this slave owes him money. And this money isn't significant. This debt isn't significant. He owed what was equivalent to about 100 days' wages to this fellow slave. And he pleaded with him. I want you to notice in the scripture that the same words, the same pleading were used with this slave to this slave as was the slave to the master. But we know what the slave did. He was angry. He grabbed him by the throat. He would not forgive him. And he threw him into prison until his debt could be paid. Now, anyone reading this story would think, that's absurd. How could someone been forgiven so much and yet have an unforgiving heart? And yet that's what he does. And so today I want to talk about forgiveness, unforgiveness, offense, but most importantly, how to catch a monkey. Joanna. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a monkey trap. For illustrative purposes only, this is a glass vase, or for all you fancy people, a glass vase. So this is a method that is actually still used in the jungle today, it does work. You are going to be able to leave here today and catch your own monkey. I know we have a lot of them in New Brunswick, so I'm glad, I'm sure you're glad you came this morning. So what this does is the trappers will take something similar in size. So whether it be a coconut or a gourd, and they will hollow it out, And they will ensure that the monkey's hand, it's big enough, the opening for the monkey's hand, to fit in. And they will place inside a fruit, nuts, something that's intriguing to the monkey, tie it to a tree and then walk away and hide off in the distance. Then all of a sudden, some unsuspecting monkey comes along. He smells the fruit, he looks inside and he wants it. So he puts his hand in and he grabs the fruit. But unfortunately for the monkey, as long as the monkey is holding on to the fruit, its hand cannot come out. So the only way that the monkey can be released is if it drops it. I want you to understand, the monkey is not tied to anything at all. It is not a prisoner at this point. But it is when it holds on to the fruit and refuses to let it go. And that makes me think of some of us this morning. Perhaps you were on social media and you saw that your friend had a little get-together and all of your friends were invited, but you weren't. You see the pictures and you see the fun that they had. And so what do you do? You pick up that offense and you refuse to drop it. Maybe someone of your friends just bought a new car and they're rolling into church Sunday after Sunday and they're looking pretty good and you think, Do they think they're better than me? How dare they? And you pick up that offense and you refuse to drop it. Maybe you were in the mall and you smiled at someone and they didn't smile back, not realizing that they had just had dental surgery and can't even move their mouth. But you picked up that offense and you refused to drop it. And next thing you know, you're trapped right where the enemy wants you. We know better. We know that this isn't God's best for us, but we refuse to let it go. We harbor that unforgiveness deep in our heart. And do you know why we refuse to let it go? Because we are afraid that God is not going to punish them like we think he should. We have this illusion that if we hold on to it and we refuse to forgive, we're in control of how we punish them. But let me ask you this something, something this morning. Would you willingly, knowingly steal something from God. If he said to you, that's mine, don't touch it, would you take it from him? Probably not a good idea, right? But let me point your attention to Romans twelve nineteen. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And the Greek word used here for vengeance is a strong one. It's ekdikeo, and it means vindication or to punish someone. And we really like those words when we're in control of them, don't we? C.S. Lewis once said that forgiveness is a beautiful thing until we have to practice it. Do you realize that as long as you have the vengeance, that God can't? You are literally stepping into his throne and saying, move over, I've got this. I'm in control of how this is going to play out. Not you, God, I'm going to do this. But how can we, who have been forgiven of so much, Hold on to forgiveness and offense. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I want to give you a few points that I think will help you walk freely away from the monkey trap. We live in an age of perpetual offense. Luke 17, 1 says offenses will come. I will guarantee you that before you get home today, you will have had the opportunity to pick up an offense. Whether it's out in the lobby, maybe it's during church, maybe you look over and smile at someone and they look away. Maybe it's at the gas station, the restaurant, with some family members over dinner. You will have an opportunity to pick up offense. But do you know who I find is the most offendable? Christians. And I'm amazed at how quickly we become offended. I was recently in the Costco parking lot and I had my groceries. I had loaded them in the car and I was ready to go. Now, if you want to see the other side of Tiffany, put me behind the wheel of a car or put me in Costco. And this day, both of these things were happening all at once. I was behind the wheel of my car, backing up out of my parking spot at Costco. So I was already a little whew, tense. So I begin backing up. I look all around me. Mirror, mirror, mirror. Nobody's there. I'm looking for kids, people, shopping carts. There's nothing. I slowly back up and I hear ah! So I'm startled. I look. and Oh, there's a lady there. I didn't see her in a car. I'm like, okay, I see you. So I began to back up a little bit more. She honks again, and I'm thinking, I see you, thank you. I'm thinking, she really wants this parking spot. So I begin to back up again, and she's laying on the horn at this point. And when I look in my rearview mirror, she's actually behind my car that I can no longer move. So I put my car in park, and I think, okay, lady, we're going to do this right here in the Costco parking lot. Because you have to understand, I have a whole lot of Jesus, but I still got a little bit of hood. Okay? And if you don't know what hood is, it's just, it's your flesh. That flesh that you're supposed to crucify on a daily basis. Well, mine rose, and I left Jesus in the car, and I went to go have a conversation with her. So as I'm walking towards her car, she starts doing this. And I'm thinking, lady, please don't do that, because this is not going to be good. When I get to her car, I'm ready to give it to her. I don't know what I was gonna do. When I get to her car, she says to me, I just wanted to let you know that you left your cell phone on the roof of your car. Yeah. So I said, I just wanted to come and say thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And I may have thrown a little, God bless you in there too. But it's amazing how little offenses pile up, and that's the enemy's agenda, is those little offenses that keep piling up time over time over time. We all know the, the verse, John 10, 10, the devil's plan is to what? Steal, kill, end? We can all quote it. But do you know what his tactic is? Do you know how he does it? It's to divide, to divide you amongst each other. And boy, has he ever had a heyday in the last two years. I hate to mention the words, but COVID, the mask mandate, the trucker convoy, the vaccine. He has had a heyday over the last two years. And did you know that most people don't even realize that they've offended you, that you're just walking around hurt and they don't even know that they've hurt you. Have you ever been around someone and they were totally fine, everything was good. And then maybe a couple days or a couple weeks go by and they're acting really strange. If they're talking to you, it's very little. And they're looking at you kind of weird, they're very distant. And so what do you think? And maybe what do you even go do? You go ask that person, did I do something wrong? And do you know why that is? Because we don't tell that person right then and there, you know what that, what you said at dinner the other night really hurt my feelings. And if you were a good Christian, you would say, oh my goodness, that was not what I implied at all. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. But instead, we don't say anything. We pick up that offense and we walk off. And sometimes it's not what they've said, but what they didn't do. Uncommunicated expectations are typically from an area of unmet expectations. So you're just not communicating what you want, and it's your own fault. I think of the newly married couple. Maybe their family threw this girl, her birthday, the same way year after year after year, and the husband thinks, we're newly married, I'm going to do it different, without communicating with her and without her communicating with him. And he throws her this birthday party that is nothing as to what she expected. She doesn't say anything, and she gets hurt, and she harbors the hurt, and little by little, year after year, the hurt piles up, and before you know it, they're getting a divorce. And so most times we're holding on to something that is only affecting us. The person has no clue. So I encourage you to go to that brother. Allow them an opportunity to repent. Matthew 5.25 says to settle matters quickly. And the reason it's so hard for you to be happy is because it's so easy for you to be offended. And the flip side is that if that is true as well. If you want to... Be happy all the time. Make it really hard to be offendable. So what about that person that doesn't repent? Maybe they've passed on. Maybe you'll never see them again. How do we deal with that? Well, sometimes reconciliation isn't possible, but release always is. Choose to let it go. Choose to drop it. Release yourself, because the other word for forgiveness is release. Release yourself from that pain, that hurt, and that situation. And please do not hold out for the perfect apology because it's probably never going to come. Forgiveness is setting a person free. Sorry, forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and realizing that that prisoner was you. Because when you let go of grudges, it releases God's grace. The two options aren't forgiveness or stabbing daggers into pictures of them on the wall. I want to propose to you a far better way, and that is the way of love. Love causes us to not have to harbor unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. Love allows us to love someone that is unlovable. We can't choose what happens to us in this life, but we can choose how we respond. Think about this. The same water that hardens an egg also softens a carrot. Let me say that again. The same water that hardens an egg softens a carrot. And you don't have to develop a wounded spirit and a victim mentality. And you certainly don't have to be defined by what anyone has done to you or what anyone has taken away from you. You are a daughter and a son of the King of Kings, and your identity is not in your pain. It's in who he says you are. Amen? Amen. So when you release the situation to God, there is a benefit. When you let go of a grudge, it releases God's grace. When my dad was alive, he had a deliverance and ministry. Um, deliverance ministry, deliverance ministry. And um, I remember sitting in on one of his sessions with him, and a woman had come to him who was very broken, who was very hurt. And she clearly needed a lot of help. And she was deaf in one ear. And she would go forward year after year after year to the altar to get prayer for her ear for healing. And they were doing ministry with her, and my dad heard the words, taxi cab driver. He didn't know what it meant, but he knew that it was Holy Spirit, and so he said to her, do the words taxi cab driver mean anything to you? And she began to sob uncontrollably when she finally came back around, she was able to explain to him that she had called for a cab to pick her up. And he picked her up, and he took her to the woods, and he raped her. And he left her for dead. And she followed up with these words, I will never forgive him. And my dad, understanding the importance of walking in forgiveness, he explained it to her, and over some more time, she finally agreed to release that person and to release that situation. She'll never see him again. She doesn't even know the guy's name. But Dad walked her through the words, I choose to forgive the taxi cab driver in Jesus' name. And so through tears and through stuttering, she said, I choose to forgive the taxi cab driver in Jesus' name. And as soon as she said the words in Jesus' name, her ear popped open. I wonder what would pop open for you this morning if you'd release it. I wonder what God would be able to get to you if you would just drop it. Offense is an event. Offended is a choice. Are you going to become bitter or better from the situation? Offenses will come. We've already talked about that. That's a guarantee. But how you respond is up to you. Ask me how I know. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I had just celebrated my 19th year wedding anniversary when I had discovered the initial details of my husband's unfaithfulness to me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me like a father speaks to his daughter. And he said, Tiffany, stay close to me and I'll keep you sweet through all of this. Stay close to me and I'll keep you sweet through all of this. And at that time, I didn't realize what all of this meant, but boy, did I ever find out. And i got to tell you, I did not want to stay close to the Lord. What I wanted to do was to do what Peter did when he grabbed the sword, when the soldiers came to get Jesus in the middle of the night, and he cut off the soldier's ear. I wanted to get a sword and cut off his ear, too. It's okay, everyone. Your regular pastor will be back from sabbatical soon. But I chose day after day to stay close to the Lord. And he kept me sweet through losing our job as pastors, through embarrassment, financial hardship, unimaginable treatment from people who call themselves Christians, even more unfaithfulness from my husband, and eventually a divorce. But I chose and I continue to remember the words of the Holy Spirit to stay close to him and he would keep me sweet through all of it. And I think standing here seven years later, I've come out pretty sweet. <laughs> the potency of the pain is gone. And if you can remember that nothing happens to you, it only happens for you. Because Romans 820 says, 8.28 says that all things work together our good, yeah, even the bad stuff. God will get the glory for how he turns it around if you can stay close to him and allow him to keep you sweet. And I wasn't going to mention this, but everything actually happened seven years ago today. And that might not seem significant to you, but I remember being at the church finding everything out and they were off talking with my husband and I remember praying and worshiping and crying and I just remember this really strange thought because all I could do was to think forward to the future. I just needed some hope that I was going to be okay. I thought this really strange thought I wonder where I'll be seven years from today. And here I am, preaching to you on forgiveness nonetheless. But I had to do something that I call forgivingness. Now, all of you English teachers out there, this is not a word, so don't try to look it up. Don't come to me after the service and be like, this is not in the dictionary. I know. So, forgiveness. It is an action verb because it's not a one-time thing. It's a daily practice. It means to continually walk in forgiveness. And sometimes we think, oh, I forgave that person years ago. But if the pain is still attached to the memory... You might need to take it to the cross again. What about forgiving and forgetting? The world will try to tell us, yeah, you need to forgive and forget. Well, that's not actually biblically defensible. So how does God do it? Let's look at how God forgets our sin. He doesn't have amnesia. He's not stupid. We all agree with that, right? But God forgets our sin when we repent because he chooses to put it behind his back. Actually, as far as As the east is from the west, he chooses to remember it no more. When he looks at us, again, if we've repented, he chooses not to see the pain and the sin that we've caused him. So then how are we to do it? We're to forget in a sense of not harboring ill feelings towards that person so that when we see them, the pain is no longer attached to their face. To forgive does not mean that you stay in a position of being abused or being a victim either. If they're doing the same thing over and over again and there's no real desire to change, it's having the wisdom to step out of the ring and not get hit again. The Holy Spirit gives us the gift of forgiveness, but he also gives us the wisdom to walk away. So how do you know that you're over it, that you've dropped it, that you've walked away from it? You may still think about it. Again, if I were to ask you the details of what happened to you, I'm sure you'd be able to tell me. But again, that pain, that bitterness, that anger is no longer attached to it. It's not that you haven't forgotten or that you don't remember it. But again, there's no emotions attached to it. And if you're a mom, chances chances are you remember the pain of childbirth. Ouch, right? Well, how crazy would it be if... Hope would come to me in your Christmas time and say, Mom, I want this, this, this for Christmas. And I would say, "Uh, do you remember the pain you caused me 22 years ago? You're not getting anything. (laughs) Like, that would be ridiculous. There was actual real pain there. But I don't keep bringing it up every time. And when I look at her, I don't think, you little caused me a lot of pain. That would be absurd. We need to get to the place with that person as well, that when we see them, it's no longer attached. And here's a really good way to know that you've moved on from it and that you've forgiven and that you've dropped it. You can pray for that person and bless them. I know it's hard. When the Bible talks about bless them and curse not, it means to speak good words over them and behind their back and not curse words. And trust me, I do know that this is hard in some cases. You're not going to want to do this in your own human flesh. And on our own it can be impossible, but that's what the Holy Spirit is for. Holy Spirit, give me the ability to do what I must, but I can't. Please understand that I realize that some horrible things have been done to some of you in this room and listening online today, more than just someone not saying hi to you at the mall. I know the pain of deep trauma and how hard it is to let go, let alone forgive. And I know that it's as if you let them get away with what they did. But please understand this morning, you are a prisoner and you will continue to be until you can drop it and walk away. Ask the Holy Spirit for help to release it. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning to do that. Because if not, you'll realize that 25, 30 years have passed and you're still walking in unforgiveness. I recently had an opportunity to sit with a family member that I had hurt quite a few years ago. You see, my dad was a pastor, and my mom was a pastor, so I was a preacher's kid, but I was a double preacher's kid. I was a double PK, which somehow meant that I was double bad. And I did some stuff to a family member that was horrible, just brought shame and embarrassment, and I, just in the last year, had an opportunity finally to sit down in front of them eye to eye and apologize say, you know what, I'm really sorry, I never did say sorry for this, and this, and this, and I know that I really hurt you, and I'm sorry. They just kind of looked at me, and I was like, okay. They said, what? I said, well, I, I would hope that you would forgive me. And they said, oh, I'm not ready to do that. I said, do you know that it's been 25, 30 years? Has it been that long? Yeah. I'm still not ready. And I thought, I could have picked up an offense right then and there. I could have harbored unforgiveness. I could have been hurt. All kinds of things. But do you know what I did and do you know what I still do for that person? Is I pray for them. Because the Bible says that if you withhold forgiveness, God can't forgive you. I didn't say it. He did. It's in the Bible. And so this is why you're here today. You thought that you chose to come to church. You thought this was your decision, but God brought you here sovereignly. You had every reason in the book why not be here today. Maybe you couldn't find anything to wear, maybe nothing fit, maybe the weather was really nice and you thought you'd enjoy the whole day, but God brought you here today to make a decision. God wanted you to know that you are in an important moment in your life, And if you heed this message, you will be set free because you have a decision to make with the time that you have left in your life. You can never reverse what happened. And if you're familiar with the story of Joseph and his brothers in the Bible, great. But if you're not, I encourage you to go read it today. Because there's a moment when Joseph looks at his brothers and he says, you intended to harm me. And then there's a big comma, and it says, but God. It's what comes after that comma, but God. So God brought you here today to make a decision. What comes after your comma? Choose the right response or stay a slave and stay chained to what they did. Finish the sentence. You finish the sentence. It hurt you, but our hope today is not what lies, what comes after that comma, but God. So you have a decision to make today. Are you going to become bitter or are you going to become better? Are you going to stay chained or are you going to let go and submit it to God and trust him that he knows what he's doing? Maybe some of you in here this morning need to forgive God. I know that sounds strange, but hear me out. Maybe you prayed that a situation would turn out a certain way and when it didn't, you kind of lost trust in him. You kind of find it hard to spend time with him because you think that he's disappointed you. You can deal with that this morning as well. I would ask the prayer team to come forward this morning. And like I said, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray. You can do that right in your seat or you can pray with one of our prayer team. But I encourage you this morning to not walk out those doors the same way that you came in. And you might need to pray this prayer over and over again. You might need to pray it this afternoon again because it might come right back up. You might need to pray it next week, next month, next year, ten more years. But that's what walking in forgivingness is all about. So I'd ask you to stand with me this morning. And if you're comfortable, I ask that you would just open your hands like this, just as a sign of release. And we're going to pray. God, we've got some things that we need to drop. Some horrible things or maybe just some small offenses that have built over time but God we release the pain the hurt the anger and the bitterness but most importantly we release that person Holy Spirit if someone here today is struggling with forgiving in their own strength I pray that you would give them the power to do it the power to release and allow you to step in and take control of the vengeance and the payback God because we trust you We trust that whatever happened to us, you're bringing it all together for our good and for your glory. And I declare a freedom to captives today. I declare that you will walk out of here different this morning. I declare that things will be released to you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. For full services, head over to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com and follow us on social media at gtmoncton to stay up to date on what's happening here at GT. God bless.